think that that's, that's very important, and especially now, with all of the catastrophes in Haiti and around the world, that we have to do that. So that I think we have come a long way. I think through the, through the civil rights movement, we got the laws. We now need more enforcement. And I think that everything we do now that pushes us to the next step is going to count upon the younger generation understanding the nature of the conditions from which we've come and the value of the struggle, but to understand that it's not, we don't have to do the same things, but we certainly have to move forward. And I appreciate your leadership in helping us try to do that. Well, thank you so much. Dorothy Irene Height was born on March 24, 1912 in Richmond, Virginia. Her family later moved to Rankin, Pennsylvania, where she excelled as a student. Height eventually received a scholarship to attend college. In 1929, she was admitted to Barnard College, but was not allowed to attend because the school did not admit African-Americans. Instead, Height went on to graduate from New York University, where she received a bachelor's in education and a master's in psychology. Her first job was as a social worker in Harlem, New York. She later joined the staff of the Harlem Young Women's Christian Association, YWCA. In no time, Hyde became a leader in the local organization. She created diverse programs and pushed the organization to integrate YWCA facilities nationwide. During a chance encounter with African-American leader Mary McLeod Bethune, Hyde was inspired to begin working, working with the National Council of Negro Women, NCNW. Through the NCNW, Hyde focused on ending the lynching of African-Americans and restructuring the Christian, sorry, the criminal justice system. In 1957, she became the fourth president of the NCNW. Under new leadership, the NCNW supported voter registration in the South. The NCNW also financed and aided several civil rights activists throughout the country. Hyde was president of NCNW for 40 years. Hyde's prominence in the civil rights movement and unmatched knowledge in organizing meant she was a regularly called on for political issues. Eleanor Roosevelt, Dwight Eisenhower and Lyndon B. Johnson often sought her counsel. In 1963, Height, along with other civil rights activists, organized a march on Washington for jobs and freedom. Although she played a role in the march, she was not invited to speak. In fact, originally no women were included in the program at all. Height and Anna Harold Hedgeman persuaded the other organizers to allow women to, to speak. But despite the apparent gender discrimination in the civil rights movement, she continued working on the front lines. In addition to her work in the United States, Hyde traveled extensively. She served as a visiting professor of the University of Delphi, India, and with the Black Women's Federation of South Africa. For all her efforts during the civil rights movement, Hyde was awarded and recognized by many organizations. In 1989, she received the Citizens Medal Award from President Ronald Reagan, and in 2004, she was honored with the Congressional Gold Medal. That same year, Hyde was inducted into the Democracy Hall of Fame International. She also received an estimated 24 honorary degrees. On April 20, 2010, Hyde passed away at the age of 98. Her funeral was held at Washington National Cathedral. Ladies and gentlemen, we give our flowers to Dorothy Irene Hyde. Life, I learned it was important to have some goals and to have a sense that you were not just a worker, but that you had a mission and to have a sense of a life's work. And I chose to put my life's work in the direction of equality and justice. <laughs>
You know, it don't mean a thing if ain't got that swing. Considered to be one of the greatest jazz composers of all time, Duke Ellington had an enormous impact on the popular music of the late 20th century. Among his more than 2,000 songs, his hits include In a Sentimental Mood, Sophisticated Lady, I Got It Bad and That Ain't Good, and I'm Beginning to See the Light. For almost 50 years, he toured the world as a big band leader and piano player. Today, his recordings remain among the most popular of jazz in the big band era. Born in Washington, D.C. in 1899, Edward Kennedy Ellington, better known as Duke, began playing piano as a child. His mother, who also played piano, oversaw his education, and by the time he was 17, he began playing professionally, making his name as a piano player in Washington. Ellington started to compose his own music. In 1923, he moved to New York, and the following year formed, formed his own band, the Washingtonians. By 1927, Ellington's band had found a small base of fans and secured an engagement at Harlem's famous Cotton Club. This proved to be a major turning point in Ellington's career, providing him with access to larger audiences through radio and recordings. In 1931, Ellington left the Cotton Club and began a series of extended tours that would continue for the rest of his life. For Ellington, the big band was not simply made up of five reeds, four trumpets, three trombones, drums, a bass, and a piano. It was made up of individuals where other composers had concerned themselves with creating a sound that was unified with many instruments into one voice. Ellington believed in letting the dissent voices of each musician play up against each other. He wrote music that capitalized on a particular style and the skills of the soloist. For this, and many reasons, his soloist stayed with him for extended periods. Among the best members of his band were Jimmy Blayton, Johnny Hodges, Cootie Williams, and Harry Carney, who stayed with the band for nearly 47 years. In 1939, Billy Strayhorn joined the band as an arranger, composer, and sometimes pianist. The two worked well together, continuing the tradition that Ellington had built. Strayhorn's con contribution to Ellington's achievements at the time were significant, and even some of the most popular, such as Take the A Train, were written by Strayhorn. Though not as well known as Ellington's work, the such pieces were Jack the Bear, Coco, and Cottontail, between 1939 and 1942. Had a profound influence on much of the jazz composition and performance that followed. Though Ellington continued to compose and perform regularly throughout the 1940s and 1950s, the public demand for big band music had faded. It was not until 1956, with a triumphant performance at the Newport Jazz Festival, that Ellington reemerged as an important voice in contemporary music. For most of his time as a composer and band leader, Ellington underplayed his role as pianist. Throughout the 1950s and 1960s, he began performing with a number of other great musicians and composers of the time, making albums that include Duke Ellington and John Coltrane, 1962, Money Jungle, 1962, with Mac Match Roach and Charles Mingus, and Duke Ellington meets Coleman Hawkins. Among the younger generations, Ellington was both a symbol of the traditional modes of jazz music and the finest example of how to transcend those modes. The beauty and energy of earlier pieces such as Mood Indigo, remained alive even in the final years of his life. In May of 1974, Ellington died of lung cancer in New York City. In his more than 50 years as a professional musician, Ellington had been nominate, nominated for a Pulitzer Prize, prize, elected to the National Institute of Arts and Letters, awarded a Doctor of Music degree from Yale University, and given the Medal of Freedom. And most importantly, he built the foundations from which much of the best American music grew. Ladies and gentlemen, we give our flowers to Duke Ellington. There's the idea you've been looking for all day long, you know? And you get up and put the light on, get the paper and the pencil, jot it down, put the light out. And usually before you go to sleep, you got the next part of it.
that's right, y'all. The excellent Dorothy Height and the incomparable Duke Ellington held it down for the D's this episode. I'm so glad and so excited that you all could tap in and enjoy this little brief spotlight into our amazing history. Don't forget to like, comment, and subscribe. Follow the podcast on Instagram as well as Facebook. Tell a friend to tell a friend. It's always a good vibe, always a chill vibe, always about love and peace. Until we meet again, take care of yourself and each other.